Welcome to Amici, news and insights from the New York courts. I'm John Carr. Today we are joined by Sean Byrne, Executive Deputy Commissioner at the New York State Office of Addiction Services and Supports, or OASS. OASAS is a state agency that oversees some 1,700 prevention, treatment, and recovery programs and the entity responsible for coordinating the state-federal commitment to addiction services. It directly operates a dozen addiction treatment centers to assist New Yorkers struggling with alcohol and or chemical dependencies or, comp- or compulsive gambling disorder. Mr. Byrne brings to this position a wealth of experience in criminal justice. He has an attorney who clerked for a court of appeals judge. He was counsel to the state director of criminal justice, and he's former acting commissioner of the Division of Criminal Justice Services. Sean, welcome to Amici. In the introduction, I provided a brief overview of OASS. Let's drill down a little bit if we could. What is OASS? What does it do? And uh, how does it do it? So OASIS is the Office of Addiction Services and Supports, and uh, it's a state agency, and as such, we oversee roughly 1,700 prevention, treatment, harm reduction, and recovery services organizations throughout the state. These programs deliver services to some 680,000 people a year, John, if you can believe it. Um, and OASIS regulates, certifies, does compliance oversight, and in many instances funds these programs to deliver services. Um, in addition to that, uh, OASIS is a direct service provider. We run 12 addiction treatment centers located throughout the state, um, and uh, you know these uh, centers are all inpatient rehab levels of care. I should say all but one, I think, is uh, in patient rehab level of care, which is the highest level of care in our system. Um, it's for people that need um, not only to have their substance use disorder addressed, but they need to have it addressed in a residential context with 24-hour-a-day residential services. Um, they have a, a need for medical services, mental health services, things of that nature. You, you just uh, mentioned a number, 680,000, which is yes. both impressive and uh, kind of alarming. Um, have we seen a greater incidence of use disorders as a result of COVID? So let me break the 680,000 down for you a little bit. About 230,000 of that, John, is the number of unique individuals treated in our system that receive substance abuse treatment services. Um, uh, in addition to that, several hundred thousand, I don't have the exact number for you, receive prevention services from us or receive recovery services or harm reduction services. Um, The actual treatment number is 230,000, give or take. On any given day of the the week, we have 100,000 people um, in the treatment system. Um, So uh, I'm sorry, your your further question was, have we seen an increase during the time of COVID? Yes. well, the answer, John, is is that at the onset of COVID, we actually saw a, um, a, a temporary drop-off in the number of people seeking uh, services in our system, um, in our residential services, in our outpatient services, in our opioid treatment programs, um, pretty much across the board. But during the time of COVID, that rebounded. And in many categories, there are now more people in care than there were pre-COVID. 
Yeah, I think we've seen similar um, statistics within the courts. Like, for instance, with domestic violence, it, initially there was a, a drop-off, and then there was a great big increase. And, you know, the courts are not unlike you in that we did not have the luxury of being able to shut down, to being able to pause. You know, uh, battered women don't cease to be battered because there's a pandemic. Abused children don't cease to be abused. Crime doesn't stop happening. And from your standpoint, substance abuse issues don't stop just because there's a pandemic, right? Right, absolutely right. So Oasis itself it, um, is a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year um, direct service provider um, to people in need of substance use disorder treatment services. None of that stopped during COVID-19. In addition, our treatment, the, the programs that we certify and fund across the state, the, the community-based programs that provide uh, substance use disorder services, they continued to operate throughout um, COVID as well. I mean, consider it for a moment. How could we possibly close down or pause? You know, we take care of very sick people. So emphatically, no, we didn't close during COVID. Uh, we did everything we could to keep um, things operating on an even keel during that time. John, the, the CDC uh, released some statistics just in the last uh, several days, I believe, showing a dramatic increase in addiction across, across the nation. Now, I, I don't know if you, I doubt that you would have general population statistics because you, you know your statistics basically come from what your clientele is. But what, what, what are your statistics showing? What, what trends are you seeing internally? Well, I can, I can tell you to what, what the CDC data says about overdose deaths in Please. society. It's, it's, it's uh, tragic data. So um, they, they predict that there will be 107,000, when the final count is done, 107,622 people that died in the United States of America due to a substance use disorder, right? That's a 12% increase in 2021 over 2020. One year, a 12% increase. Right now, um, death by overdose is the leading cause of accidental death in America. Um, more people die of, of, uh, of uh, overdose than die of homicide or suicide or uh, automobile accident uh, in America. In New York State, um, the latest 12-month data we have is, is that uh, 5,179 New Yorkers passed away over a 12-month period, which is a 3% increase over the prior year. But those numbers are just appalling. They're just appalling. And um, we're doing everything um, across both the OASIS system, but, but across the, the New York State um, administration uh, to address all of the causes of substance use disorder and to try and reduce those numbers so that we never have another year where the numbers are like they are now. I hope that's the case. I don't know what the statistics are, but I'm, I'm sure a fair number of your clients become our clients. There's a fair amount of overlap. And, you know, we operate, as you well know, several specialty courts, drug treatment courts, opioid courts, mental health courts, veterans treatment courts, you know, and, and addiction can come into play in any or all of those. 
So how can Oasis work with those courts and defendants who, but for their addiction, may not be committing crimes? So um, Oasis already has a very positive working relationship with the unified court system and particularly with the specialty courts. Um, uh, we have services that are actually resident in the drug treatment courts that exist in every jurisdiction across the state of New York. So um, a person that's going before the drug treatment courts or, or in a drug treatment court can get assessed, John, and um, from that assessment that there can be a referral um, to the appropriate level of treatment in the OASIS system. And then courts like the, the specialty opiate courts that um, actually began in Buffalo, New York, um, those, those courts will um, basically uh, defer prosecution, um, get a person assessed, um, and make a referral to a treatment program, John, Usually the person can be in treatment within 24 hours of arrest. Uh, so it's, there, there's a significant incentive for people to get involved with the criminal justice system and their case or situation involves uh, substance uses that there's a significant, significant incentive for them to participate in these courts and to seek treatment in our system. Um, in addition to that, uh, we do have direct working relationships with uh, um, family courts. Um, and in uh, in fact, OASIS works with the Unified Court System, OMH, the Office of Children and Family Services, on the statewide court improvement project, which focuses on family courts. Um, this collaboration seeks to uh, enhance system communication providing training on evidence-based practices to improve outcomes for families. Uh, you know that just like substance use disorder doesn't know any boundaries, um, it's got to be involved in, in sort of the fact patterns that family court judges see and the fact patterns that veterans court judges see and, and uh, mental, court, mental health judges as well. In fact, that's pretty much a given. I would, I would imagine. Now, the, the specialty courts, maybe all the courts, I guess, to some extent, work on kind of a, a carrot and a stick approach. How, in, in the treatment realm, how has bail reform impacted that carrot and stick dynamic? That's, that's an interesting question, John. Um, so uh, I think one could easily certify that um, in the past, uh, people opted to enter treatment as an alternative to facing the prospect of pretrial detention uh, in a county or local jail. Um, and bail reform has removed a lot of the prospect that somebody that gets arrested for a nonviolent substance use disorder related crime is going to see any form of pretrial detention. Um, so that's the, the, the act of enacting the bail reform could well have served as um, uh, having a depressive impact on the number of people that seek substance use disorder treatment as a consequence of their arrest. Mm 
Mm. And, you know, even before, you'll remember this, even before the bail reform, um, many of the drug law amendments from, like, for example, 2009 drug law amendments, um, uh, they reduced the prospects or probabilities that one would go to um, incarceration in a state correctional facility. And as such, um, that too was something of uh, a disincentive for people to seek out alternative treatments, alternatives to incarceration in the form of substance use disorder treatments um, in our system. Hmm, that may be an unintended consequence, I guess. In her recent uh, budget testimony, uh, Dr. Cunningham, Commissioner Cunningham, spoke of prevention and the need for public awareness and early interventions. What is OASIS doing to uh, address these problems proactively? Yeah, so um, OASIS has an extensive prevention uh, system, probably the largest in the country in the prevention realm. Um, our services are evidence-based and they're designed for every age group across the lifetime because SUD is a challenge for persons in all ages. Um, addiction prevention in New York State is based on risk and protective factors. And we try and, and build a framework where we can um, introduce protective factors into people's lives so that there's less of a risk that they will use substances um, and if they do use substances, less of a risk that they will use them um, in an abusive manner. Um, so, for example, um, Oasis Prevention Providers offer services to a wide range of individuals, um, I'm sorry, in a wide range of formats, um, in educational programs, workshops, training sessions, um, all of it in the community and in schools as well, I might add. Um, they also work with uh, on, on policy development to reduce underage drinking and to create positive alternatives to you for you so that youth might not ever take that first illicit substance or substance that will get them into trouble. Um, you know, we have a comprehensive system of, of culturally competent um, and relevant evidence-based practices, uh, everything from life skills so that so as to uh, introduce protective factors in the home to teen intervene for teenagers to positive parenting programs um, basically john i could go on and on but we have a, a, a full spectrum of prevention programs designed to serve people across the lifespan so education is important and if i guess if i understand what you're saying although i don't think you will reach this goal your basic goal is to put yourself out of business yeah yeah that would be the best reward one could get if we didn't have to be in business that would be fantastic I, yeah. I guess we could say the same for much of what the court system does as well uh, tell me about the uh, the division of harm reduction the commissioner um, uh, referred to also in a recent budget testimony what is that okay so um, Commissioner Cunningham uh, Chinazzo is an expert in harm reduction services. Um, I have to tell you that, that Governor Hochul made an exceptional choice when she chose um, Chinazzo Cunningham to be her commissioner here at Oasis. Um, Chinazzo, to cut to the chase for you here, John, Chinazzo is one of those unique individuals that 
has walked the walk. She um, is a physician, sure. That's, that's indisputable. She is addiction certified, of course, as a specialty. But um, in addition to providing those services in a hospital system, she would nights walk dirt through different buildings and sections of the Bronx, offering healthcare services in the buildings and single room occupancies to people, um, reaching out to them to see whether or not there was something that she could do to help them to, to address um, the, the symptoms of and causes of substance use disorder. Um, and what she learned through all of this, John, is, is that when somebody makes um, a series of contacts with a prospective client, a prospective patient, they build a relationship with those people. It's reasonably logical. And her findings are that through basically nine contacts with a, a person, you build a trust relationship. And that person starts to actually be receptive and open to take, taking services from you when they might not originally have done so. Perhaps initially, it's just um, a person on the street who will come in for a hot meal or for a shower or for um, warmer clothing during the winter months. But then after uh, another contact or two, they'll let you take care of a wound on their arm or let you make a, um, a, a referral for them to um, uh, a homeless shelter or to a housing program or um, to other uh, places where you can get help with social determinants of health. Um, harm reduction is, in a nutshell, um, meeting people where they are, um, having a, a low threshold to your engagement with those people, and providing services unconditionally. That's what harm reduction is. So in our system, up basically until 2021, we had prevention, treatment, and recovery. Today, we have prevention, treatment, harm reduction, and recovery. And that additional concentration or focus is something that Chinazo um, has brought with, us, with her and put a specific emphasis on here at Oasis. So the first goal is to prevent the problem in the first place, and the and, and from there, if it's too late, if the, if the problem is already there, the 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 idea is to mitigate it. Absolutely right, John. And and um, so in the past, treatment had us here as state agency, as community-based providers around the state. Um, available for people that came to us for services. Um, but we have become under under Dr. Cunningham, we've become much more outward facing and we're doing outreach now to engage people who may need our services, but haven't expressly asked for them. And we try and, and engage with them, as I said a moment ago, um, in a very, very low threshold way and um, encourage them to work with us to make their lives better and to help them live a healthier life. That is a noble goal. Now, you have an extensive career in criminal justice. What did you learn along the way about the, the nexus between addiction and crime? 
well, you know, books are written on this, right? Um, certainly, much of much of crime, John, is is money seeking, where people um, seek money in order to, to acquire things that they want and need. In this case, potentially substances, um, you know, illegal substances or illicit substances. Another immense contributor to crime is that category of all the bad acts that people do when they're in altered states of consciousness. And, you know, not all crime and the driver of all crime is necessarily linked only to illegal substances. Certainly the, the, the substance that's probably the largest contributor to crime um, in our society and has been for decades and certainly has been the largest um, reason for people seeking treatment in our system is alcohol. Consider all of the bad acts that happen, all of the violent acts that people commit when they've had too much to drink and, and they make bad judgments. Um, you know, it, 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 it's just something that every one of our listeners, everybody that, that you talk to knows intuitively, um, the linkage is there. No question about it. I've heard people recovering from addiction, and I know people personally who have, or a use disorder say that the day they got arrested was the best day of their life. And I imagine you, you hear similar things. I have, I have to say that, that I, I put that, I, I put that through a prism. I, I think about it when they say it. I think what they're really trying to say is is that the arrest is the event that made them come to terms with the, their own substance use disorders. It might have been a stimulus that made them think to themselves, I want to do better for myself. I want to address this issue. And um, having addressed their SUD helps them live a better and more helpful, healthful lifestyle for themselves and for their families. So if you think about it in those terms, it certainly makes sense that um, people could have that perspective. Oh, absolutely. They, that's where they hit bottom sometimes, and uh, that's maybe where they found the, the life raft. Now, uh, you're an attorney, an expert in criminal justice. Your commissioner has a much different background. Uh, Dr. Cunningham is a physician and a researcher who has extensively studied addiction from, I think, both a prevention and a clinical treatment uh, standpoint, as you mentioned. How do those two disciplines complement each other in, in this framework and at OSS? Interesting question. I, I, I think, as I said a moment ago, um, Genazzo's a really unique person, um, having both the academic and career experience of, of medicine and having really, really literally walked the walk in um, uh, single room occupancies and other settings in the Bronx. Um, she knows the substance use disorder field. She has written literally dozens and dozens of research articles on addiction and substance use disorder. Um, she really doesn't need much uh, counseling and advice in the substance use arena. She's got it locked. Um, on the other hand, 
my background is, as you said, in criminal justice and in administration um, with stints in the executive chamber of the state and, and at the Court of Appeals and even at the Division of Criminal Justice Services with you. Um, so as much as Shinaza doesn't need my help with respect to, to the whole substance use disorder field, um, perhaps I could be useful to her from an operational perspective and because I might have notions about what levers to push um, that might make things go easier for the agency, make the commissioner's objectives more achievable, that's how I might contribute to her. Sounds like a, a, good, uh, a good team. Now, if uh, judges, courts, or attorneys who are listening to this uh, want more information, if they want to avail themselves to your services in maybe a particular case, What's the next step? How do they proceed? What do they do? Well, there's there's a number of routes to, to accessing our services. Um, and so, as I mentioned to you before, all, every jurisdiction in the state has a treatment court and it. Treatment courts have um, relationships or, or even employees that can provide in, uh, assessments that can get people into our system. In addiction, uh, John, we have a thing called the Hope Line it's um, a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week number that um, can be called where people can uh, speak with a um, uh, appropriately trained individual that will help them find access to treatment services in our system. The Hope Line number is um, 1-877-846-7369. In addition, we have a thing called the Find Addiction Treatment um, uh, Line, which is a which is a website, findaddictiontreatment.ny.gov. Um, all of these uh, uh, services will connect connect you to treatment, either in our community-based system or in our state-run addiction treatment centers. Um, I want to emphasize because this is often. A, a concern for people, and it often serves as a psychological barrier to people seeking treatment in our system. But when it comes to admission decisions in our system, no individual is denied treatment in our addiction treatment centers due to an inability to pay. Um, we always have a, tr- a treatment slot for people. Um, if there was one takeaway theme from today's conversation with uh, between myself and you and all of your listeners, it's that we have service programs available all over the state, particularly Oasis-run addiction treatment centers. They're nearby to where the courts are located. Um, we encourage you to use those services so that people that need substance use um, disorder care in your courts and in your jurisdictions, um, avail themselves of those services. Um, there's capacity available all the time. Um, at any time, um, we try to run our system at, at 90% capacity so that there's always a 10% vacancy rate, John, to um, receive patients into care. Um, so. That's my biggest message for the day. Please use these different tools to get access to our system. Use our services. 
um, help these people uh, help themselves on a path to living a more helpful life. John, thank you so much for your time and your insight on this issue. And thank you for your many decades of service to the people in your state. That's kind. Thanks, John.